Hi, and welcome to Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We are committed to serving our community and the community abroad. We pray that the word you are about to hear will be a blessing to your life and that you allow the Holy Spirit to open your heart and receive what the Lord is speaking to you. So if you have your scripture, I want to invite you guys to turn to James chapter 5. That's where we're going to be camping out today. And uh, I'm going to dive right into it as, as we um, kind of get, get going with this and, and just really believing for God to speak through everything. Uh, this is part four of a collection of talks that we've called Use It or Lose It, where we're essentially talking about our faith producing an action our faith-producing works. And this is something that you see throughout the book of James. Uh, and, and as we've said before, James is written by the half-brother of Jesus. And if you look at James, it really mirrors a lot of what you see uh, from Jesus's greatest sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And so uh, today we're going to be talking about, uh, I believe, a very relevant topic for many of us. And um, I know for me, and I'm also going to share something with you guys that we did not share on the live stream just because it is a little personal uh, for us just around this topic and just believing for God to, to use that. And so look, let's just dive in uh, and then we'll open up in a word of prayer. But James writes in verse 7, he says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it is received or till it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord. It is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast, and you have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that uh, you're going to open up our hearts and our minds to be able to hear it, Lord. God, as always, I ask that your word and your gospel is proclaimed today. Uh, I submit to you and I get out of the way. Let it be your words that come out of my mouth, Father, not mine. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. One of the things I think we can all agree, and for the older generation, you would probably be able to attest to this more and more, is that uh, we live in a society that is all about speed and how quick we can get things done. Uh, even right in the subway, we have express trains and we have local trains. And when the local train, the D train, which I feel like I talk about a lot, um, decides to run on the local track, I get a little frustrated because it takes me an extra 15 or 20 minutes to get somewhere. Anyone agree with that? Yeah, y'all like, yeah, okay. Yeah, but like we live in a society that is all about how quick we can do stuff or how quick we can get things done. Uh, internet speed, right? I remember whenever it was dial-up. Some of you guys, and, and you know, I remember this too, but you remember before we even had the internet, you actually had to go to the library and pull out a book and use the Dewey Decimal System, right? Yeah, and, and so actually study and do research. Now, now we expect answers so incredibly quick. 
with our phones, what do we have? We have the iPhone 17 now or something like that, and it's 5G, you know, laser technology. And if it goes any slow, any bit of slow, we get frustrated during those moments, right? Internet speed, we want it now. We want it now. We also have got drive-throughs. Um, I love Chick-fil-A. I love Chick-fil-A. And Chick-fil-A in New Jersey on Route 17, has anyone been there? No? Okay. Do me a favor and um, go to New Jersey on Route 17 uh, and, and go visit the Chick-fil-A because what Chick-fil-A has done blows my mind right now. They, they literally have taken not one drive through lane, not two drive through lanes, not three drive through lanes. They have like eight drive through lanes working right now, and they just kind of funnel you into this single line. And I'm telling you, how they do it is beautiful. It must be God's holy place. But we want our food quick. A single lane doesn't work anymore. We need eight. Or, or think about cooking. How often do we just pop it in the microwave uh, because we're in a rush um, with everything? Or, or think about during the pandemic, right? The beginning of the pandemic, like everyone is just going, 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 and then everything just stops. How many of us freaked out when it just stopped? How many of us were filled with anxiety when we had nowhere to go and nothing to do and we're being told to slow down and to stay home. You see, a, a lot of times in our society, we want it quick and we want it now. And Jesus invites us to a life that is operating at a slow pace while practicing patience. And even if you think about the ministry of Jesus, he didn't have escalades or a subway system or any of that. He walked, 80% of his ministry was him walking in the Galilean region. I don't know if you realize this, you don't power walk going up and down mountains in Israel. You take your time. And Jesus was never in a hurry. And so James here is essentially saying the same thing right here. He's saying, hey, I want you to be patient when you're experiencing suffering and hardship. And, and here's something I think that we just need to lay as a foundation. We look at time very linear. It's only moving forward with us. God is outside of time. And what God is inviting us to is to be able to trust him that even though we can't see how the story ends, he is sovereign and he is in control and he is doing something great inside of our hearts and inside of the hearts of humanity. And, and so we only see forward. We only, and some of us, we only see a few hours ahead. Some of us, we see a week ahead. Some of us, we see a month ahead, right? But we only see what's happening forward. James says this, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. In suffering, be patient. In hardship, be patient. In frustration, be patient. Whenever you're anxious about things, be patient. And he says, be patient until the coming of the Lord. And I think that if you call yourself a disciple or a believer in Jesus Christ, it's important for us to remind ourselves of what the coming of the Lord takes, looks like and, and what's going to happen when that takes place. 
Because we know how the story ends, right? Have you ever read like a really good Tom Clancy novel and, and you're seeing, you know, there's this person that's, she's trapped and you've got the SWAT team that's coming in and as you're reading this novel, you're like at the edge of your seat saying what's going to happen, what's going to happen, you got to know. If you do, you can just jump to the last chapter and see that she gets rescued and everyone makes it out and everyone's fine. And then you can jump back into the novel and get back into it. See, here's the thing about Christianity. We may not know exactly what's going to happen in the moment right before us, but we know how the story ends. And we can rest assured and put our faith and our hope in what the ending is going to look like. And the ending is going to look like Jesus returning as a conquering king to, to be one with his bride the church. And this is what it says in Revelation about with the returning of Christ. He says, then I saw, this is Revelation 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned to her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, which I love that because it's God saying, I want to be in relationship with humanity. I want to be dwelling with humanity, with you and with I. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. And I love this next verse. He will wipe away every tear from their eye and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he saw, and he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. So James is saying, I want you to be patient. You're in this place of what was and what will be right now. You're living in the tension of being in the middle. You're experiencing hardship right now. You're experiencing loss right now. You're, you're very anxious on the inside. I want you to be patient until the coming of the Lord. Meaning we need to have an eternal focus that there is a God who loves us so much that his son is going to return and he will wipe away every tear that we have. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning. There will be no more pain. When we take Holy Communion, as we just did, this is us reminding us of ourself, of the healing that we have eternally. This is us reminding of ourselves that, that Christ is coming and we take it with anticipation until he returns. But he continues, he says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the yearly and the late rains. And so he's drawing this analogy that many of the people in that context would have understood. You plant the seed, you, you toil the ground, you plant the seed, you get it all ready, and then you have to wait for the rain to come. And then when the rain comes, you have to wait for the seed to actually sprout forth and to bring a harvest. You also be patient, establishing your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Again, he draws it back to 
the coming of the Lord is at hand. I, I think it's important for all of us to understand that whenever we are facing opposition, whenever we're facing hardship or challenges, whenever we're facing whatever in life you may be walking through at this particular season, and some of you guys, you're like, I'm not facing anything. Well, the, the, the news is, is you're going to eventually face something. So just take notes for in the future. That way, six months from now, you can pull it back out and be like, oh, Pastor Mike talked about this. This is what we should do, right? But when we are facing hardship, trials, tribulation, frustration, we can be confident knowing that the Lord is at work within us. This is what we call sanctification. And God will allow things to happen in our life to bring sanctification. And so whether you are facing a struggle, whether you're in a season of joy, whether you're experiencing a loss right now, know this, that the Lord is working on your behalf. The Lord is working on your behalf. He continues in verse 9, and he shifts it just a little bit. He says, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. I think it's important for us to be patient with one another. To be patient with one another. He's saying, I want you to be patient when you experience suffering. I also want you to be patient when you're dealing with other people. Can, can we just, like, apply that to our life? Could you just think about what would happen if you applied that to your life? Like, how quick do we get frustrated with other people? How quick do we get frustrated with the barista? How quick do we get frustrated on the D train? Don't, don't hate on me, all right? I'm working through this progressive sanctification, okay? And so, but James is saying, I want you to be patient with people. I don't want you to just grumble with a bunch of people. And patience comes from a place of humility, of leading from humility, living a life in humility. And, and this is something I say to the staff all the time. We need to lead from a place of humility. And the reason we lead from a place of humility is because it removes the assumption that we may have about someone. And we can go to them to be able to deal with whatever conflict that might be there. And to remove the assumption, you can also think the best about the person. Like think about the arguments that you and your spouse have gotten into. It's probably because you had an assumption about Something that your spouse was supposed to do or not do. An unmet expectation. You had an assumption, right? But if you approached it from a place of humility, which Paul gives us the example of humility through the life of Jesus, Jesus humbled himself to the point of death. And so what does humility require of me? That we have to kill our flesh. Catch this, guys. Catch this. That we approach people thinking the best out of them, thinking that God is working in them, removing the assumption. And this is what James is inviting us into. This is what Jesus is inviting us into. To, to come from a place of humility, humility will end up producing patience. All of that clothed in love. I feel like I keep talking about this over and over, but here, here's the thing. I'm going to make a statement, and, and hear me out. 
Many of us, we say we want the deeper things of the Lord. Well, the deepest thing of the Lord is the love of the Lord and the love for the other people. And so if we don't get that right, how on earth can we go to the other things? How on earth? And so like humility and love and compassion and mercy towards brothers and sisters of the faith. God, let us be a church that loves. God, let us be a church that walks in humility. And, and here's, here's what I'll say. I believe, I'm convinced that the one thing Satan wants to do is to attack the church by causing division in the church. Because if a church is divided, the church won't be able to move forward. But if a church is unified, we can do a lot of damage for the kingdom of God. See, Jesus talks about this in Matthew 18, which Matthew 18, the whole premise of Matthew 18 is forgive one another and be in unity with one another. But in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus tells this parable, which is essentially a story, an illustration, and he says that there was this rich master, and this rich master had this particular servant who owed him a lot of debt. And this servant came to the rich master and, and said, hey, um, I, I need to be able to pay this debt, but I can't pay this debt. And the master was going to throw the servant in jail until he could pay it off. But the servant got down on his knees and he started pleading with the master, Master, have pity on me. Please have pity on me. Please forgive me for, for I have sinned and I have messed up. And the master was moved by compassion and forgave the servant of all of his debt. This is a picture of Jesus being our master, we being the servant who are filled with debt, and Christ looking at us in mercy and love and compassion and saying, I forgive you, as Pastor Joyce said, of everything. But you know what the servant did? See, the servant got up completely debt-free, which I would love to be debt-free. I'm just going to name it and claim it right now in Jesus' name. We thank you, right? Uh, don't preach that. So um, anyways, but, but like I would love to be debt-free. But completely debt-free, the master then I'm sorry, the servant then goes out and he starts living his life and he finds someone who owes him a hundred bucks. And he says, you owe me money. And the other servant is like, wait, 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 I, 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 I can't pay. i like, will you please forgive me? And then the servant who pleaded for forgiveness then orders the other servant to be locked up until his debt is paid. Well, the master hears about this, and the master goes to the servant who was forgiven of much but would not forgive the other people and says, you wicked servant, how could you do that to that person when I have forgiven you of so much? I think sometimes Jesus is up in heaven saying, I wish that the church would get this. You have been forgiven much, yet you will not extend that forgiveness to other people, you wicked servants. Like, like do you realize we're not the master in this story, we're the servant. And we have the opportunity to either forgive those who have hurt us, forgive those who have wronged us, forgive those and be patient with them, or we have the opportunity to be like the wicked servant and to hold a grudge against people when we should be and we are called to walk in forgiveness. I believe that when a church is able to repent to one another 
is able to forgive one another, is able to remove the assumptions from one another, is able to walk in humility, you have a unified church. And you know what happens when you have a unified church? Nothing can stop it. Nothing. And so James continues on. And he gives these two examples in verses 10 and 11. He says, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. How the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So he gives these two examples, the prophets and Job. And I'm not sure how much you know about Job, but Job was a very favored man, a very wealthy man, and his heart was in love with the Lord. And so Satan went to God and got permission to start to torment Job in order to cause Job to denounce and to sin from the Lord. And so God was like, sure, go right ahead, go, go right ahead but he's not going to do that. And so Satan starts attacking Job, and first he kills off all of his livestock, and he starts to lose everything that he has, everything that was producing him, his wealth and his money and, and all of that. And, and eventually, um, Job still blessed the Lord. Job still praised God. God, I love you. God, you're amazing. God, I worship you. And so Satan was getting a little frustrated and went back to God, it was like, hey, God, um, let me take out his family. Let me just take out his family, and then he's going to curse you. And God was like, all right, absolutely. And so Satan goes back, and he lost all, of, all seven of his children, basically at once. And everyone was like, Job, why are you still praising the Lord? Job, why are you still blessing the Lord? Job, why are you going to sing praises? You've lost it all. You've lost everything, Job. What are you doing? His wife, his wife literally went to him and said, why don't you just curse God and die? That is not good marriage. They did not have good pre-marriage counseling, all right? But like, why don't you just curse God and die? You know what Job said? God, why do you allow this to happen? God, why did you allow that to happen? God, I don't understand what it is that I'm experiencing. God, I'm, I'm not entirely sure what's going on. But in, in Job chapter 19, he says, you know what? I know my Redeemer lives. I know my Redeemer lives. And I will see him in the living or in the dead. And I will continue to bless the Lord. And Job, not one time in the middle of his suffering, in the middle of the turmoil, in the middle of the frustration, in the middle of losing everything, lost focus of his source and the joy that could be found in the Lord, the strength that could be found in the Lord, and how all of this is at the sovereignty, the sovereign hand of the Lord, and I'm going to stay focused and hold on to that. Ruber, you can, um, you can come on out and, and play. The, the other person in, in the Old Testament, I want you guys to think about this, is Joseph. 
Joseph, right? Joseph had a bunch of brothers, and, and he had this dream, and in this dream, he had a technicolor dream coat, and, and um, you know, all these things, and he just saw people bowing to him, and, and while this, this took place, things were happening, um, uh, Joseph ended up sharing his dream, and his brothers literally sold him into slavery. His brothers literally sold him into slavery. Like, sometimes we think our life is bad, but have you ever been sold into slavery and then forgotten about? And then after that, you get a little bit of favor and you get thrown back in prison and forgotten about. And, and all of this was happening. And Joseph chose to remain steadfast on the Lord. Joseph chose to not allow the prison cells to hold him back from blessing the Lord. Joseph chose to not allow his circumstances and the suffering to cause him to fail. And God used the suffering and the issues that he went through to elevate him to be the second most powerful person in all of Egypt. Suffering. Patience. Suffering. Patience. We want, we want fast food fixes. We want Chick-fil-A fixes. I'm going through a hard time. i got to go to Chick-fil-A, and it's going to be all fixed because it's God's house. God's like, no, I, I want to I allow this circumstance that you're going through What are you going through today? What are you experiencing today? Sarah Dabrowski with the Gospel Coalition right before the pandemic wrote an article about suffering and loss and pain. And she gave three practical tips for Experiencing loss, experiencing suffering, experiencing pain. And, and I just want to go over these real quick and then just share something from my heart. She said the first thing, whenever you're experiencing suffering and learning to be patient in the Lord, the first thing is, one, you have to begin at the end. Which I think it's interesting that James constantly says, until the coming of the Lord, until the coming of the Lord, until the coming of the Lord. We're going to begin at the end. The coming of the Lord is every tear is going to be wiped away. The coming of the Lord is there is no more death. The coming of the Lord is there is no more um, uh, mourning or, or pain or sickness. The coming of the Lord is all things are made new. So I don't know how my story is going to end in this circumstance, but I know how the story ends. And I'm a part of his story. Second thing is, practice praise. Take a lesson from Job. I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to praise you, God. You alone are good. You alone are holy. You alone are magnificent. Though the rocks fade away and fall underneath me, God, I will worship you. And the third thing is submit to Christ's sovereignty and find rest. If we are anxious continuously, maybe we're not in the rest of God. Look, I know a lot of things in life we can control, right? 
There's a lot of things. You can control your finances, your bank account. You don't control the stock market. However, some of us put a lot of faith in the stock market. But there's some things that you can't control in your life. Now, some of you know this, and I may have shared a little bit of, of, about my story with you guys. But we had planted in Albany back in 2011, got married in 2012, and first six months of my marriage was fantastic, man. It was great. Until Christmas time, my father came to visit Christy and I in our little studio basement apartment in Center Square. I miss that place. Life was so much easier whenever it's just, you know, like a studio. And I noticed that my dad had a cough. I noticed that he didn't look very well. Two months later, went to go visit him in Atlanta. Realized, okay, he's sick. He's sick. And I've shared this before, but essentially, 18 months prior to him getting sick, he ate a crab that ended up eating a snail in China that had a parasite in it that attacked his lungs. And the parasite was literally eating away his lungs. And so for the next six months, I watched my father struggle to get on a lung transplant list, which he would be denied. And through all of that, the Lord was working. God was at hand because my father gave his life to Christ about two months before he passed away. But in the middle of all of that, I remember sitting at Emory University Hospital in Atlanta, Georgia. I just got off the phone with my friend. said, man, God, I don't know what to do. You know what the Lord spoke to me? Psalms 46 and 10. Be still and know that I am God. Now, what happened afterwards was not what we were expecting for my family. Christy had gotten pregnant, we conceived, and she got pregnant. And about week 10 or so, and this is literally, my father passes away. Two months later, we find out that she's pregnant. And two months after that, or maybe even a month after that, she starts to have a miscarriage. And so what I thought was going to bring hope in the situation where I was experiencing a bunch of loss brought a bunch of frustration and anger with God. And so she had our first miscarriage. And then a few months later, and we were terrified to try again. We were terrified, like, what if it happens again? And, and, and so it's like, all right, and it happened again. And we're excited. We told the family, eight, nine weeks along, we're excited. And then Easter Sunday of 2014, she texts me and she says, Michael, I'm having another miscarriage. I need to go to the hospital. And we went to the hospital and by the time we had gotten to the hospital, she had passed our second child. Now, whenever people come to me and they're like, Michael, I'm going through a hard time. I'm sitting here telling you, I know what it's like to suffer. I know what it's like to walk through loss. I know what it's like to, to have patience 
in the middle of that because there is not an ounce in my body that wanted to praise the Lord during that season. There is not an ounce in my body that wanted to give glory to God. I just experienced the loss of my father and experienced the loss of, of two children. Are you serious, God? Do you not see me? Do you not know what I'm going through? And you want me to have joy? But do you know it's in those moments right there where you're honest with God, just like the beggar crying out, son of David, son of David, have mercy on me. It's in those moments where you're saying, God, I'm angry. God, I'm frustrated. God, I don't feel like I can keep going anymore. God, I, I just, I'm frustrated. Lord, help me and I don't want to praise you. God looks at you and says, that's what I want. I want your brokenness. I want you sitting there crying out to me. I want you to be honest with me and tell me you can't do it so that I can meet you where you are and bring comfort. And you know why I know he can bring comfort? Because it says, scripture says, he is compassionate. He is merciful. He will comfort those who are brokenhearted. So I know what it's like to walk through that. And I know right now some of you are walking through that, maybe different circumstances, Maybe different things in your life. I know. And it hurts. It sucks. But the Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. To end the story on a positive note, we got pregnant with what would be Judah. And we were terrified. I'm telling you, like, I posted every, you know, scripture about the fruit of the womb and, 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 you know, he knew you and formed you in your mother's womb. And I mean, it was all over how she'd walk in and there's post-it notes and banners and, and LED signs with scriptures everywhere. Like we're blasting Bethel and Hillsong and whoever's going to be the spiritual band of the day, like we're putting them on. And we walked into the doctor's office and we went in for our first ultrasound we walked in, it was, it was New Year's Eve, and we had dinner plans right after that. And it was like, either we're going to cancel dinner plans, or we're going to go to dinner and we're going to celebrate. And they put the ultrasound up to Christy's stomach. And we heard his heartbeat, and we saw that he was kicking. And man, we just busted out in tears. The tech is like, are you guys okay? Do I need to go get the doctor? It's like, no, no, no. These are tears of joy because God redeems what was stolen. God redeems what was broken. God restores what the enemy meant to take away. And so Judah, as annoying as he can be, is my miracle baby. And I love him and I praise God for him. And here's what I'm saying. Patience in the suffering produced a joy on the other side and an appreciation on the other side and a maturity on the other side that I wouldn't have had if it wouldn't have been walking through that season and just trusting God. God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to praise you. Even when I don't feel like I can, I'm going to praise you. Will you stand to your feet this morning?
I want to be sensitive for the next couple moments. We're going to sing a song. But I want to be sensitive because I do believe that God is ministering to some of our hearts right now. I do believe that some of us are going through pain and experiencing hardship and we're frustrated. You are where I was several years ago where you're angry with God. And God just wants you to be honest and allow him to minister and to comfort you. And so I want to be sensitive to this moment, so I'd like to do two things just real quick. And then we're going to worship. First thing is, is if you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity and like everyone to bow your heads and just close your eyes real quick. And on the count of three, I just want you to slip up your hand. I want to pray for you right where you are. If you would slip it up so high, I just believe that God loves you and I believe that you'll never be the same. If that's you, on the count of three, just slip up your hand. One, two, three, if that's you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Father, I thank you for the two hands that were raised this morning, God, and I just ask that you would meet them where they are. And if you're one of those two people, I just want to invite you to repeat this prayer after me. Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender everything. I confess I'm a sinner, but I believe in you there is grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just give it up for that? Can we just make some noise for that? Amen. We pray that you were blessed by this word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at resurrectionchurchofny.com or give us a call at 718-436-0242 on Instagram at reschurchnyc. Take care and God bless.